0: Thanks for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. We pray that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith in Jesus. We are happy to provide this resource to you, but as you know, this alone cannot meet the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we hope you'll be able to join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you're not in the area, give us a call and we'll do our best to help you find a good church to visit. For now, here is this week's message. Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, in case you're wondering, Pastor Brian is working with some of the most important members of our church today. He's downstairs with our children, and so I'm just going to—nobody asked me to do this, but I'm just going to put a selfish plug in for our children's ministry. There's always a need there. Uh, what a joy it is. If, if you have ever been a child, will you raise your hand? Oh, good. So you remember what it's like at some level, and uh, so consider jumping in down there. There's always— Uh, Always a need down there to work with those kids and our kids and share God's love with them. So since Brian's down there, you're stuck with me, and uh, and I was told by somebody working in the children's ministry to remember them when I think about how long the sermon should go. So... So with children's ministry in mind, uh, this morning we're picking up uh, the second part of our sermon series on follow, and Brian posed a really great question to us last week that we're going to be looking at that same question from some different angles for the next couple question, next couple weeks, and that question is this, am I following? And to be honest with you, as I was kind of settling into the sermon um, I started working on it a couple weeks ago, but as I started settling into it, Monday morning, I went, I need to stop and ask myself this question. Am I following? Where am I at in my journey to walk with Christ? Um, I hate to say it, but sometimes when I'm listening to a sermon it's not when I'm actually thinking about the sermon. Anybody else there? Yeah, sometimes it doesn't catch up to me for a day or two. Sometimes I get to the next week and I remember that I was in church a week ago. Uh, But I think it's important for us to stop, to ask ourselves this question, am I following Jesus uh, or am I simply just going through some motions? Brian talked about this last week. He says, um, the driving force behind the Christian faith is not rules to follow, but about relationship with Jesus Christ. So the question about, am I following Jesus, is not about, have you been to church X number of times over the last couple of weeks? It's not, are you reading your Bible daily? Because you can be reading your Bible daily and not following Jesus. It's not about, how good am I doing or how bad am I doing? The question really is, is, am I in relationship with Jesus? And as Brian pointed out to us last week, it's... If, if you ever find yourself going, I'm not sure I can follow because I'm not sure I can embrace everything that I've re- read in the scriptures, that's okay. The disciples didn't understand it all either when they stepped into faith. Second of all, if you find yourself sometimes going, I'm not sure that I'm worthy to follow Jesus, well, you're in good company because none of us are worthy apart from Christ's redemptive work on the cross for us. We're all sinners. That's a prerequisite for faith, for following Jesus. So so that's where we were last week on Easter Sunday, and this morning we're going to look at a little different story, take a little different angle, but also asking the same question, am I following? I want to pray and uh, ask the Lord to bathe our time in the Word. Father, as we um, look at your Word this morning, I pray that we will seriously sit into this question ruminate in it, and am I following you? Lord, it's your word, we're your people, this is your time, everything is yours. And so we ask, Lord, that you would come, that you would move in our hearts by your Holy Spirit, illumine our minds, help us to encounter you, to be changed by you, so that we can follow you. Amen. So this morning, we pick up on this new story. It's a familiar story, I think, to most of us. Uh, in the Gospels, the joy is that we have four Gospels that give us a, a glimpse at Jesus' life. The story we're looking at this morning is, appears in two of the Gospels. The first one is, uh, is in the book of Matthew. Now, Matthew writes to a predominantly Roman audience and they kind of, not, sorry, not Roman audience, Jewish audience, and they kind of understood and have seen God move over the years. And so Matthew gives kind of this high flyover of this story. And if I'm honest with you, um, I remember hearing this story. I was probably about 13 or 14 years old, and I, I was sitting at, a, in, at camp, and I remember the preacher talking about this story. And I remember thinking, that is crazy that anybody would ever do that And and I'll be honest with you, the, the way Matthew presents the story is crazy. If you don't have the other gospel giving us the full picture, or a fuller picture, I should say, you might think this is off the rails. And, and quite honestly, it is. So let's jump in here, and let's look at what Matthew says. So this is Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to tell you, we're going to spend about this much time in Matthew and this much time in Luke. So don't get, don't get concerned if we run through this too fast. So Matthew writes, As Jesus was walking behind, beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, And his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Makes sense, pretty straightforward. And then he goes on to say this very next verse Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Now imagine you're at work this week, some guy strolls in in flip flops or sandals and says, Hey, stop what you're doing, come follow me and you just abandon ship and just go. A little crazy? Yeah, but that's the way Matthew kind of presents the story. So you've got Peter and James, and they're out fishing, and Jesus walks up, and he says, follow me, drop everything, let's go. And they're like, all right, we're going. Does that seem responsible? Does that seem a little crazy? I think it seems crazy, too. Well, the good news is, I think Luke thought that we would probably see that as being a little crazy. And so he gives us this whole, this whole story. Oh, well, yeah, go on to the next verse. I, I almost skipped this part because there's more. He says, going off from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. See you, Dad. Good luck with the family business. We're off to follow this guy. Who is he? We don't know. But that's kind of how Matthew presents it. Luckily, that's not really the full story. Now, these guys actually, if we dig into it, we understand there's more to the story. They're not just writing some blank check to follow Jesus. There isn't this sense of like all or nothing. Jesus shows up and says, follow me, and you just abandon it all and chase after him. There's actually a lot more to the story of what it actually means to follow Jesus. Now, I want to paint us a picture of where we're going. Go ahead to the next slide. So where we're talking about takes place in the Sea of Galilee. Now, I went ahead and added these two yellow dots. Those two yellow dots represent First Baptist Church. True story. The first one, First Baptist Church of Conway. And this one over here represents the Tanger Outlets. That's how big this lake is. It's about eight miles from here to the outlet mall. And it's eight miles across that lake. This is not Busby this is not Kingston, okay? If you're familiar with lakes around here, I grew up in Lakeland, Florida. We know about lakes. I moved here. I was like, these aren't lakes, folks. They're just swamps and creeks, okay? But, okay? but that's a lake like I didn't grow up around either. This thing is often referred to as the Sea of Galilee, not the Lake of Galilee for a good reason. And so this is where Jesus is, is encountering these disciples. Go to the next slide. And these disciples are out in a boat where they're fishing. Now, this is an interesting boat. This boat, you can actually charter a boat like that today. They call them Jesus boats or Christian worship boats. And you can charter a boat to go out on the Sea of Galilee as a Christian. And you can go out there even today. I don't know how much, a couple hundred bucks. Charter that boat. Go out and, and be on the water like Jesus and the disciples were. So this massive lake. And Jesus is out there. And he's teaching, and let's let's jump in and see what Luke has to say. Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Kennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, has a couple names, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Already we've got a little different picture, don't we? Jesus doesn't just walk up to these fishermen and be like, hey, follow me, let's go. And they do it. Jesus standing on the shore, he's got crowds around him, possibly thousands of people. They're pressing in on him, and he's teaching them, and they're learning as they're hearing him speak to them. And I I want us to, to remember this. This is this is significant. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we read so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hearing or information or learning is always foundational to following Jesus. If you've ever been around a, a, a religious organization, maybe a church group that says, we don't ask questions, don't, don't, you don't need, there's nothing you know, just follow Jesus. Everything else is, is not good. That's, that's not biblical Christianity. In fact, if you read the Gospels, one of my favorite things about the Gospels is these guys travel around, these disciples, travel around with Jesus, Jesus teaching them, and you know what, they're always going, ooh, ooh, I have a question, Jesus. And half the time you're going, no, don't ask, Peter. No, don't do it, because they ask the dumbest questions, and Jesus doesn't go, you dummy, don't ask questions. He just answers their questions. He loves their questions. He loves our questions. He wants us to hear the word and then respond in faith because of his teaching, and this is what Jesus goes on, Luke goes on to say about him, so he saw at the water's edge two boats, so Jesus sees these two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So Jesus is teaching. He looks out. He says, oh look, there's some boats. And the fishermen are over here washing their nets. Now to understand what's going on here, the fishermen would fish at night. And then during the morning when the fish had gone back down deep because the water was too hot from the sun beating on it during the day, the the fishing happened best at night when the water cooled. And so they fished all night. The fishermen are off to the side. Jesus is standing here on the shore teaching the crowds. The fishermen are over here washing their nets, pulling the seaweed, probably doing some mending of the nets, drying them out so they can roll them up so they can go home and get a good night's rest, I mean a good day's rest, and then get back and do it again tomorrow night. And so Jesus sees this. And Jesus then gets into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon or Peter, and asks him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down, and he taught. There's that word again. He taught the people from the boat. Probably as everybody was crowding, he was getting a little too close to the water. They were getting closer and closer. It's kind of like working in the children's ministry. You know, you're good when the children are crowding around you. You're like backed up against the wall. Um, you know, if your breath's bad, maybe it goes the other way, but. Uh, Sorry. And uh, so Jesus says, I got an idea. I'm going to get into the boats." Now he's a little bit removed from the people. He can project his voice. They can all hear him. And when he had finished speaking, he says something to Simon. Now, I want to pause here for a minute because in Matthew's gospel, what we heard was Jesus walks up and says, Matthew, follow me. But there's a lot more to the story. And I want to make sure that we don't just skip to it and not catch the, the full weight of what Jesus is doing in this moment. Because he doesn't start off with, with Peter saying, let's go. He starts out asking him something else. He says, Peter, we put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch? Now, I don't know about you, but if you've just gotten back from fishing... And you've scrubbed the boat down, and you've got it all covered back up. And somebody says, hey, you want to go out fishing? you be like, dude, I just put the boat up. Now's not the time. Maybe another day. I imagine that moment. That's exactly what Peter's thinking. Jesus, we just finished cleaning the nets. Now, the amazing thing is, is, while he's cleaning the nets... Peter and Andrew and James and John, the four of them are there cleaning. Next, Jesus is standing on the shore teaching, eventually in the boat teaching, and they're hearing everything. They're receiving the teaching of Jesus while they're doing their work. Have you ever sat in church and done a work email while the preacher's preaching? Nobody's doing it now. I can see your eyes. Um, but, but kind of similar concept. They're working Jesus' is teaching. And Jesus says to Peter, put out in the deep water. Let down your nets for the catch. Now, I imagine Peter is probably thinking, at least at some point in the back of his mind, we just cleaned the nets, Jesus. Are you for real? And let's see what he says. Simon answered, Master, which is an important word because he's saying, I have great respect for you. He's going to give a different title to Jesus a little bit later, but pay attention to this. He says, I have respect for you. We've worked hard all night And we haven't caught anything. Jesus, we're fishermen. You're a carpenter. I'm respecting you, sir. And all due respect, we've been doing this all night long. We haven't caught anything. Any of you ever worked the night shift? I I did, uh, back in the day when we had newspapers, I did a newspaper route, filling those boxes. And then after that, I worked in a grocery store stocking shelves. And then I was a youth pastor for years, and I did lock-ins. Oh, the devil created those things. Anything on the night shift is not enjoyable in my realm. In the morning time, I am a beast. Actually, for a couple of days, if you ask my wife. She's not here, so I'll just tell you what she'd say. No, I, he's bad for a couple of days. If I've been up all night, I am not ready to go the next day. And Jesus says to him, hey, let's go out and drop the nets again. And he says, in all due respect, we've been doing this all night. He's exhausted. He's ready to go home and go to bed. And we haven't caught anything, but because you say so. That teaching has already begun to transform him. It's already begun to move him. And he says, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. (laughs) Next slide. Do you know what this is? This is the St. Peter Basilica. This thing is so big, the Statue of Liberty will fit inside this section of the basilica. This thing is massive. Jesus in this moment when he says, hey Peter, will you drop down your net? He could have said, hey Peter, drop down your net right now, watch what I'm going to do, and one day this is going to be named after you. And you wonder, you just have to wonder, if Peter had just said, you know, Jesus, I get you, I, you you're a profound teacher, you're, you know, and, and master in all due respect, we've been working hard all night, but we're just not going to do it. And, and, if, and if he had said that, we wouldn't even know the name of Peter today. I wonder if there weren't others that Jesus may have called to follow him who just walked away and, and were just like, yeah, but no, thanks, no Thanks. And Jesus could have said to Peter, hey, Peter, if you'll do this, this is going to be in your honor, and you're going to be buried underneath it. And, and this massive building that is so incredible that's going to be named after you, this thing is going to take 219 years to build. It will take 31 popes and 10 architects. And, and you're going to be like so memorialized through this. Hey, check out the inside of it, Peter. And, and look at this. Look how massive and amazing this architecture is. And there are going to be these, like, statues, and, and it's going to be amazing. And some of the most prolific artwork in the history of the world will be found inside this building, named after you. Just drop your nets. But that's not what Jesus says to him. I, I think if, Peter, if Jesus had explained it to Peter, Peter probably would have been like, uh-huh, yeah, right, sure, whatever. At least that, that, that's probably what I would have said. But Jesus doesn't tell them any of that. But Peter does it. And when they had done so, not when they had thought about it, not when they had like weighed whether or not it was going to be an ideal moment or time. I mean, goodness, are we really going to catch fish right now? But not when they had thought so, but when they had done so, when they had believed Jesus enough to actually do what he said. Next. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come out and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. If you've ever seen the the TV series The Chosen, maybe you remember this scene. If you haven't seen it, trust me, go on YouTube this week, look up The Chosen, season one, the fourth um, episode. And watch this story so that it will come alive for you. I was watching it this week, it was Sunday night or Monday night this past week, and I just began to weep and realize in that moment that the first miracle, I always thought the first miracle of Jesus was turning water to wine. But it's not. The first miracle is Jesus turning the fish up from the bottom of the water up into the nets. And so many fish that the nets begin to break and the boats are beginning to sink. And, And Jesus does, does this amazing work? And when, go to the next slide. And when Simon Peter saw this, guess what he did? He starts saying, Think how much money we're going to make in the market today. No, that's not what Peter says. When Peter sees what Jesus does, when P, after Peter obeys and begins to follow what Jesus tells him to do, look what he does. He falls at his knees, he falls down before Jesus. And he says, go away from me and look at this title change, not master, Lord, ruler, the one who is over all, the fish in the sea, over my life, over everything. He says, Lord, I am a sinful man. When he encounters the greatness and the power of God, he is not, and he is not caught up with the fish He's not caught up with the things of this world. He is caught up in the glory of who Jesus is and the amazing power of Jesus. And and as he encounters his holiness, he recognizes his own unworthiness. And he says, I am a sinful person. The amazing thing about Peter is Peter's going to have, over the next like three years, encounter after encounter after encounter with Jesus. And he's going to see Jesus do amazing things. And Peter's going to kind of vacillate between wanting to see him as master and see him as Lord. And he's going to struggle in his faith again and again and again. But this day is a defining day for Peter because on this day, this single decision changes his, ent- his entire trajectory. Next slide. For he and all his companions were astonished. I, I'm doing this um, through the gospel reading with a couple men in the church and I've started going through and just circling every time that people were amazed or astonished at Jesus. It's, ama- it's amazing, huh, to use the word, it's astonishing how many times the gospel tells us that those who encountered, really encountered Jesus, they were amazed at what he did. Peter, Andrew, James, and John are astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Next slide. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From from now on, you will fish for people. Moment of change forever changed the trajectory of his life. We're talking about him because of this moment. And what do they do? Next verse. Is that the last slide you have okay there's probably like 20 more but that's okay hey Brian's not here it's his fault <laughs> if you don't know what that's all about ask me later I'll explain so you know when Brian's not here we gotta throw him under the bus right Rocky okay all right I that one okay so what's crazy though is the next, next verse, verse 11 says, they pulled up their boats up on the shore. They left everything. And they followed him. Matthew's story doesn't seem quite as crazy when you have Luke to come alongside of it. Now, I look at this story and I go, I'm going to go back to my, my younger day. When, I was, when I, was, I was not raised in a Christian home, at the age of 13, I give my life to Christ, and at the age of 13, it just seems very, very easy to live with that kind of abandon, where I just follow Jesus, and, and it's like whatever he says, I got this. But if I'm honest, at 13, I don't have a whole lot to lose, right? And then around 16, I sense God calling me to something different in my life, and suddenly I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. It's like I was like, I'm gonna leave everything behind. Okay, Jesus, I'm gonna hold on to this part right here. Have you ever been there? Yeah. And then I get into my 20s or later teens and my 20s, and it's like, okay, Jesus, I I want you to have this part of my life, but I want you to kind of leave this part of my life alone. This is kind of this is Alan's area, and we're just gonna act like that's your section, and this is my section of my life. And sometimes it seemed to work okay. More often than not, it didn't. And I found myself oftentimes when I was like living with a sense of abandon where I'm like all in. I leave everything behind. and I'm just going to follow you, Jesus. I could see like it was, it was amazing to see how God was moving in my world and around me. And I would be like, God, you're amazing. And, and a lot like Peter, I would find myself going, yeah, you're amazing, but I kind of like this part of life over here too. You know, some of it was sin and some of it was just preference. And Jesus was calling me, just like he was calling Peter, to abandon everything. And he was showing up and he was proving that he was Lord. And sometimes, man, it was easy to surrender. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm just going to hold on to this part right here. In this narrative, we see these four stages if you will, of what it, I think it means to follow Jesus. The first one is that sit and listen stage. Maybe you're at that place in your life right now where you just need to sit and listen to what Jesus has to say. I, I want to suggest that there's never a time in our life we don't need to be in that sit and listen stage. In fact, when I look at my life and the times that I see God moving most powerfully, I guarantee you those are also the times where I'm sitting the most and listening to Jesus. Even if you don't believe that Jesus is is Lord, if you just believe he was a good teacher, if you believe he's the master worthy of some respect, listen to what he has to say. Sit and listen and learn and, and see what God has to say. The fact that you're listening to me right now means you're probably already doing that to some extent. And then there's this next phase or this next stage of following Jesus. We'll call that loaning him the boat. Some of you are in a stage of life where God says, I want to borrow your boat. And you're going, oh man, the last guy I loaned my boat to brought it back filthy, dirty, with no gas in the engine. Jesus is going, no, no, no. I don't really want your boat. I want something of your life, some inconvenience, something that's not going to be so practical right now And it's not even that big. Will you give me some of your time? Will you spend a few minutes each day just praying and talking to me? Will you go jump in that 101 class downstairs that you've been so resistant to? Will you consider getting baptized because you haven't followed the Lord in baptism yet? Maybe it's something like that and Jesus saying, I, I don't want something big necessarily. I just want something. I want to borrow something. I want you to be minorly inconvenienced because I think if you do that, it's going to move you to a, to a next level. And then there's that next step. Taking and fishing. So maybe some of you just need to sit and listen. Some of you need a loan in the boat, but then some of you need to To start doing what's exciting and what's hard. And Jesus says sometimes, I want you to do something really big. I want you to end that relationship that you know isn't godly. But God, that's the most important relationship in my life. It's not. Or, Or maybe it's to change career paths. Well, my spouse will think I'm crazy, and financially we're doing so well. Why would I do that now? And God says, no, this isn't what I have for you. I want you to do something really big. I've known people that that quit their jobs in their 50s and 60s and became missionaries. I guarantee you that was one of those big let-down-the-net moments. I guarantee you had some interesting dinner table conversations. Hey, babe, the Lord said to quit my job as a a banker, and we're going to go live in Haiti. Okay. I actually know a guy that was a medical doctor and did that very thing. Some of us are being called to these big fishing expeditions of going out and doing something that makes no sense. And it's in those moments where our faith intersects God's faithfulness that real life, real spiritual life happens. And that's where the fourth step is is that step that calls us to leave our nets, to surrender everything. When you say, I've seen enough, I've experienced enough, I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. My whole life is yours. Everything I own, every dollar in my bank account, my wife, my kids, my husband, my house, my pets, I'm willing to, I'm willing, Jesus, to lay all these things on the altar and say, Lord, change us. Do something big in us. Bring us to something new, something greater than I ever could have imagined. Like I said earlier, I think there's, for all of us, probably times where we need to sit and listen again. Because we forgot to do that. And there's probably times in all of our lives, even no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, where you need to take some baby steps because you forgot along the way. That God wants to inconvenience you for his glory and goodness in your life. And my guess is that for some of you, he's saying, I want you to release something that you've been holding on. I want you to take some big, bold step and trust me in something. And you're going, yeah, I don't do that so well at this stage of life. And God's going, watch, watch what I can do. And for others of you, there's a call to just complete abandonment. That, that call, oftentimes when I hear following Jesus, I hear, I see the when Jesus is telling the disciples to, to forsake all and, and follow me, to take up your cross, to deny yourself, to follow me. But there's, there's times where it's that big, but there's also those small surrenders that we're called to. And the, the question we've all got to be wrestling with, am I following? Are you following Jesus? Genuinely, ask yourself, um, yeah. There we go. There were more. Good. Thank you. Are you following? Are you genuinely pursuing him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day of the week? And what step, the next question is what's the next step that you need to take to follow? I can't tell you what that next step is, but I can tell you this. In my own life, when I'm asking if I'm following Jesus, when I'm I'm assessing my life to see where I am in my following, there's always something that Jesus is calling me to. There's always more. There's always something greater around the corner that he has for me. And if I will surrender, if I will step into his word and receive his teachings, if I will listen and be inconvenienced if I'll trust him in the big things and if I'll abandon those things that seem to matter most to me he does amazingly more than I could have ever thought or imagined I don't think for a second when Jesus told Peter follow me and you'll become fishers of men I don't think for a second that Peter's like oh yeah that sounds awesome dude I think he probably was going I'm not sure what that means but I see what you're able to do okay let's do it Jesus is worthy of our following. He's worthy of us surrendering everything we hold on to so dearly. And maybe that's some little inconvenience. Maybe it's serving in the children's ministry. Maybe it's singing in the choir. Maybe it's committing to start tithing. Maybe it's to do something different with your technology use. Maybe it's a relational change. But I guarantee this, whatever it is, maybe it's financial, whatever it is, it's worth surrendering and trusting Jesus because he will do so much in your life if you'll just follow him take that next step will you pray with me heavenly father we want to follow you but gosh our our flesh is so strong and pulling us sometimes We want to surrender on one day, and then the next day we want to take it back. And so, God, we need your help. We need you to work within us, reveal to us where we aren't following, show us how we can begin following, and give us the boldness that Peter had to sit under your teaching and just receive the goodness from you for a while to make those small incremental sacrifices, but then to take those big leaps of faith and then eventually abandon everything for you are worthy. And we love you. and We thank you so much for loving us so much that you gave it all so that we could be with you.